On an emergency scene, have you ever wondered why sometimes you don't perform like you did in training? How about why you have a little more anxiety when you're in one situation versus another? Or even do you have an underlying anxiety when you're at work versus when you're not? If this is you, you're going to want to stick around for today's episode. We're going to talk about trait and state anxiety and a couple ways to navigate this ever-changing dynamic. Oh, and by the way, you're not alone. Welcome to the Firefighter Craftsmanship Podcast, where we coach you to deal with the stresses of the job as a first responder, as well as how to thrive off duty. My name is Kevin Housley, a human performance coach and a firefighter since 2005. I've been able to coach over a thousand emergency responders on ways to be more resilient, better prepared for the job, and how to be happier and healthier at home. Let's get to it. So today we're going to talk about a couple different types of anxiety One is called trait anxiety and the other is called state anxiety. And anxiety is a topic that sure gets a lot of attention with a reported one-third of adults experiencing some form of anxiety issue in their adult life. And a lot of terms what you look when you look at the research or articles regarding anxiety is an anxiety disorder. And when you have over 30% of the population, adult population, experiencing that, it's not necessarily a disorder. It's just kind of what happens. And so... Sometimes we put a lot of stake onto anxiety and it's just normal human behavior for us putting ourselves in new situations, taking ourselves out of our comfort zone. Um, But then at times it is a point where we really, really need to maybe even seek professional help. So as you'll hear me say over and over on this podcast is don't hesitate to reach out to those professional services that you have available to you. Reach out to your friend groups and your coworkers. Reach out to us here at Firefighter Craftsmanship and we can get you connected with some great resources. So in emergency services, we certainly see a pretty high amount of anxiety, and it's not just necessarily related to new recruits heading to to academy or for their first few months on the job. And there's a lot of things that can really impact your anxiety overall. Relationships, your home life, um, do you like your job, or do you feel like you're stuck in your job can certainly impact your anxiety. Um, Are you excited about your new assignment at work? Um, Are you maybe a little bit nervous? All of those things, excitement and nervous, could both be interpreted physiologically and psychologically as anxiety. We see a lot of anxiety around training and the culture of failure. And, you know, one of the things in the American Fire Service is we really, really like to eat our young, especially in the training environment. And so take a look at those classes that you're involved in. Take a look at how your academies, whether it's a police academy, fire academy, Um, Your training programs, are they built around learning or are they built around discipline and punishment? And, you know, we only have a limited amount of time with those those new recruits. And really, you don't have time to play a bunch of games. It should really be focused around learning, teaching them great, solid, basic skill sets, helping them be ready for those first few days on the job. When we look at training and the culture of failure in a non-academy setting, We, you know, a term that we like to use is called the blue flu, where you have a consistent group of people when there's a mandated training at work, you know, in the fire service that might be live fire evolutions or something that might be a little bit tough. And you might have the same people that are magically sick every single time that one of those trainings occurs. And so as opposed to just attacking those people and being like, oh, well, they suck. They shouldn't be in the job. Maybe we should look at what are the cultures around that that are creating an environment where people don't feel safe enough to come, learn, fail, succeed, grow 
from a training environment. Isn't that the entire point of training? And so if you have a, an issue with blue flu at your organization or maybe even yourself, it's probably time to take a step back and detach from that a little bit and figure out what are the underlying issues that we need to get ahead of to create a, a space here in the training environment that yes, it might induce stress, it might induce some anxiety, but not enough where people are calling in sick on a consistent basis. Sleep is a huge one. If you're not sleeping correctly, um, if you have sleep disorders or you just haven't focused around sleep, you don't have great, good, solid uh, relationship and routines around sleep. Um, if you're sleep deprived, it's gonna increase anxiety. Hydration and nutrition is a big one too. What you put in your, in your face hole is gonna really, really impact a lot of different things, especially your psychology and for sure your physiology. So if you're dehydrated on a consistent basis or when you get in situations that maybe are a little bit anxiety provoking, you just completely stop eating, that's gonna have a, uh, a response physiologically, biologically, and for sure psychologically, which is gonna actually make your anxiety worse. How about alcohol consumption? We know that alcohol is a depressant and it also impairs your sleep ability. So what's your relationship with alcohol and are you intentionally choosing um, to, to consume alcohol or has it just become a habit which might actually be making the anxiety worse overall? How about your mindset? We've done a couple good episodes I think so far on mindset um, and so just paying attention to what is that conversation that's happening in that six inches between your ears? And really, are you driving that conversation or are you just reacting to it? So mindset is a really, really big thing. And can you maybe reframe anxiety a little bit into excitement? So reframing would mean um, not necessarily saying, well, I, I don't know why I'm so anxious about this. Why can't I just chill out? Um, physiologically, if we look at anxiety, a person's heart rate is going to increase their respiration rate is going to increase, even though they might be sitting in a sedentary situation. If we look at excitement, the exact same physiological responses are going to occur. If I'm excited about something, my heart rate is going to increase and my respiration rate is going to increase. Just basic physiologic, physiological response and how we work biologically. So the mindset part of reframing says, versus trying to take me from a maybe an eight out of 10 on an anxiety scale, I might try to reframe and take me to a seven and seven eighths out of 10, which then can go to seven and three quarters, seven and a half down to a seven. And now, we, now we're trending in the right direction where we can have ultimate human performance. So one of the ways that we can use reframing here is, first off, you have to be aware. Are you feeling anxiety? Are you feeling that physiological response? And a lot of times we don't really realize that. So on your next 911 response, just start to pay attention. What are you feeling? Can you feel your heart rate increase? Are you breathing maybe a little bit faster? And what's that conversation that's happening in your head? And the more that you start to pay attention to that stuff, the easier it becomes to identify it when you're not on 911 calls or you're on really, really high performance sorts of calls, structure fires, um, things like that. So a good time to train this is on some of those emergency responses when you're in route to say, okay, I'm feeling anxious on this. So boom, I'm aware of it. I can feel that my heart rate is increased. 
Um, so now what can I do to maybe change this a little bit? And the very first thing that you can try is to change your mindset and your approach of, okay, I'm going to this uh, cardiac arrest call, which is going to increase maybe anxiety for some of us based on past experiences or uh, new experiences for us. We maybe have not experienced that sort of call type before. So, okay, I'm going to change my mindset from, oh man, I hope I know what to do to, hey, here's a great opportunity for me to put some of those basic skills that I've been working really, really hard on. We've been training on these. I know what to do in this situation. And here's an opportunity for me to prove it. So right there is just a simple mindset shift from an anxiety of, I don't know what I'm going to do to, hey, here's an opportunity. And that doesn't change our physiological response but it just changes that mindset and helps us refocus the mind and be ready to perform. Another huge thing that can impact anxiety overall is breathing. So how are you breathing all the time? How are you breathing at rest? Are you breathing through your mouth or are you breathing through your nose? How about when your anxiety starts to increase, start to pay attention, are you breathing through your mouth or are you breathing through your nose? And we'll do a bunch more work here. We got some great guests coming up um, that are going to specifically talk about breathing and resources and why that matters. So just realize that your breathing does impact your physiology, it impacts your biology, and it absolutely impacts your psychology. So try to breathe through your nose as much as humanly possible. And again, we're not going to dive into that too heavy today, but that does create a, a a rest and relaxation response, a parasympathetic response in your nervous system when simply you just breathe through your nose. So at rest, you should be breathing through your nose predominantly. All right, so what are the differences between trait and state anxiety? Trait anxiety is basically your general who are you? Like how are you wired and how do you approach different scenes day to day, um, different environments and situations like that? So trait anxiety is long lasting. Um, it's somewhat of your personality. And it's just that general approach of how, how you come into a situation. It's really, really who you are. When we look at stress, chronic stress can turn into trait anxiety and it can change your general approach to things. So think about trait as kind of that big picture stuff. Just how are you wired? How do you approach things on a day to day? State anxiety is the, the hyper-focused picture. So at that moment in time, and you can ebb and flow, and you will ebb and flow between trait anxiety, just your general approach to things, versus state anxiety um, on things like a 911 call or a specific 911 call type. Um, it could even be um, around training. So somebody that might not be a really, really anxious person, they don't have uh, consistent trait anxiety. Um, they're not really wired that way, but they might be one of those people that experiences that blue flu with a certain training type or any major sort of training. State anxiety can also modulate day to day. So if you work a 4896, you've probably experienced this. If you had a really, really busy first 24, that that second day, you might have an underlying anxiety, which is probably tied to sleep deprivation, but it's also tied to that environmental cues and factors of you still are only halfway through your entire set. And so all of us have experienced both trait anxiety in some form, 
Um, and all of us for sure have experienced state anxiety. So think about state as that hyper-focused, can be different per day, can be different per call, can be different per call type, and you're going to kind of ebb and flow. And so this would fall into that acute stressor where we have this input of stress um, and then we have a some sort of reaction to that, which could be interpreted as anxiety and other times it could be interpreted as excitement. One of the important things to remember is if you trend high on your trait anxiety, so you're relatively anxious a lot of times, there are some pretty interesting psychological studies around this in performance. And so we know that people that have a high trait anxiety have um, poor verbal communication when they're put in a situation that replicates a real life event. Um, and if you have high state anxiety, meaning um, you are, are somewhat triggered by a specific call or call type, um, or that day you're just running a little bit hot, um, you're going to have a decrease in your overall performance. You're going to have a decrease in communication as well. And your quality of skill execution is going to be less. So this is very important if we have somebody you know, on the, on the fire service, let's say that um, experiences high state anxiety when they get to go to structure fires. So they're relatively laid back. They don't have high trait anxiety for the most part, um, but that one call type of structure fire induces a really, really high state anxiety within them, which it happens to most of us because you know fighting a structure fire is a trained response. It's not a normal human behavior for us to want to go into those environments. So that's going to increase our state anxiety. And we know through lots of peer-reviewed psychological studies that a higher state anxiety has a decrease in that overall performance and specifically in the quality of skill execution. And so this is where we need to tie back into that training culture and what's the culture around failure. Because if we don't have a good quality culture around failure in the training environment, where we can intentionally put acute stressors on people, we can try to replicate high state anxiety situations and their basic skill sets are gonna decrease in that environment. Well, now we can start to look at how do we actually react when we have that higher state anxiety on a call and we can deal with it before it's, it's a real emergency scene. That doesn't just happen by accident. We don't just figure it out when we get there. There's plenty of stuff that we have to figure out on every single emergency response and we have to be able to cognitively process and then basic skill execute within those things. But the time for us to learn how do we actually respond to these situations, how do we actually respond to a state anxiety situation is not on an actual 911 call. We should be figuring that stuff out in the training environment. So if you have a training environment and a training culture where you win 100% of the time in training, simply you're doing it wrong. You should be able to have training evolutions and training exposure where you're getting your teeth kicked in a little bit every once in a while. You should not always win. Now, you don't have to be happy about losing in training. It's not what I'm saying at all. But you do need to have a healthy culture around, okay, Let's have a little bit of an after action review here. What happened? What are the things that led up to that event happening? What were the failures that actually occurred from it? How bad were they? How does that correlate to the real world? And then next time, what are we gonna do differently? And don't just sit around and talk about it forever. 
maybe you have to leave the training environment or um, you can't push any harder than you've already pushed for today. So next time, how do we front load? How do we do the, the simple skill execution a little bit better? Um, what are the, the things that you might have missed cognitively in that training environment? And so what are we going to do a little bit different next time? And then get out there and test it again at some point. So how can we navigate both trait and state anxiety? And really the first step is awareness is foundational. So you have to start to pay attention to where you are just at rest, at baseline. What is your general anxiety state? Do different environments and different settings impact that? Does it impact it differently when I'm at home and I'm on a four-day maybe or I have a weekend off? What's my general anxiety? And then how about the night before I have to go to shift? Or how about when I'm driving to work? Or does it change when I walk into my workplace, whether that's a, the police station or the fire station or your business office or wherever you work. Does your anxiety ebb and flow just based on walking through the door? So the reality of all of this stuff is we all have different forms of anxiety. We have different interpretations of what anxiety looks like. And so this is totally normal. And so if you have more anxiety when you're driving to shift than you do when you're playing golf, that's completely normal. So cut yourself some slack and have some grace and just start to be aware of it. And can I maybe reframe that anxiety a little bit mentally? Can I control my mindset a little bit mentally and say, all right, I, I, feel, I feel that physiological response. I feel my heartbeat faster. That's okay. Here we go. I'm going to do some breath work. I'm going to breathe through my nose. I'm going to change my mindset around the opportunities I have today and the opportunity to get out there and serve. So control the controllables when you're not on shift. So it's really, really hard for us to control a lot of things that happen when we're on shift in the 911 environment. We don't know when they're going to call us. But when I'm not at work, it is my ability to control most of the things that happen on my day-to-day -day life, especially within hydration, nutrition, and sleep. Intentional choices around these things and establishing healthy routines make a huge difference. So if you realize that one of the things that happens to you when you have a little bit higher anxiety situation is you stop eating and drinking water, well then just start to have some snacks, maybe that don't upset your stomach, and then start to push that hydration and, and you can start to talk to yourself about, hey, this is, this is going to help me with my ultimate human performance. It's going to help me with communication skills. It's going to help me with basic skill implementation and things like that and start to reframe that from an anxious situation to a excitement situation. Intentionally work on your relationships and speak some of your anxiety out loud. So this could be your spouse or partner. It could be a friend. It could certainly be a coworker and hopefully you have environments at work where you have a coworker that you can kind of talk to this stuff about. And then, you know, use your resources like peer support. That's where peer support is an amazing opportunity because you have somebody that's embedded in your organization, in your culture, and in your job where you can kind of talk about that. And hopefully you have a quality peer support team that's an effective resource for you. So that's a great use to start to use peer support. If you have anxiety around a specific situation, a state anxiety, let's say around the training environment as an easy example, is start to talk to those people around you of, man, I don't know why every single time we go out to the training division, I am nervous as hell. 
Do you guys ever feel like that? Like that takes some great vulnerability and I guarantee that people, when you open up like that and you start to talk about it, especially if you are the leader of your crew and your company, it's gonna, it's gonna warrant some really, really good conversation of, yeah, man, I feel like that too. Um, and this is how I've been able to deal with that. Um, and so those are the environments that we wanna create. Those are the environments and cultures that we wanna be a part of. And it's gonna start with you. So don't keep that stuff bottled up, get it out there. And when you put words to anxiety, it really de-stresses the situation overall. So don't keep that stuff bottled up, get it out there. Intentionally put yourself in situations that provoke the state anxiety within reason. So the old quote of do something every day that scares you completely applies to this. So put yourself in controlled situations that intentionally increase that state anxiety. Um, Speak those things out loud. Have some wins. Have some lessons learned. Learn from them and then come back a little bit more resilient and a little bit better next time. Breathe and write all the time, which I talked about a little bit already. You know, breathing through your nose as much as you possibly can and create that rest and digest, that parasympathetic response just simply by how are you breathing. So start to pay attention to how are you breathing. If you're a heavy mouth breather, start to train yourself to breathe through your nose. Um, and if you have a severe medical issue, then go see an ENT, an ear, nose, and throat doctor, and see what your options are. But, uh, you know, we hear a lot about like, well, I have a deviated septum. And yeah, I do too. I have one, one side of my nose is about 75% occluded from a deviated septum, just natural how I'm built, biology. And so um, I've had to work hard on training myself to breathe through my nose when I'm at work. And this is, this is certainly attainable. Um, and you just have to put a, put a little bit of work and intentionality around that on how do I breathe right all the time. And then finally, be aware of that conversation that's happening in your head. And you get to drive that conversation. Are you talking to yourself or are you listening to yourself? How does that change when you have that state anxiety provoking event? Are you just listening to yourself? Um, are, are you able to stop those ruminating thoughts and start to talk to yourself and try to reframe that situation and now you're in control of how that um, state anxiety impacts you overall it's not going to make it go away it's just going to make it a little bit more manageable so what is that conversation that's happening in your head so there's a couple tools for you to deal with trait and state anxiety and remember all of us deal with both trait both trait anxiety and state anxiety situations that is the normal human experience. And so don't beat yourself up around that. Just start to pay attention. What are the things that maybe provoke them more than others? And then how can I use some of these psychological and physiological tools like breathing to control that narrative and to de-stress that state anxiety state? And when you start to de-stress that state anxiety state on a normal, consistent basis, If you run a little hot on trait anxiety, it's going to also help to decrease those chronic stressors and help decrease that trait anxiety overall. So thanks for spending your valuable time with us. Please rate the show, review it, and follow it. Um, We really appreciate all of you that have been out there sharing this show. That's really the only way that this thing grows. It's completely organic. And so if you would take the time on your podcast app there and just follow, um, follow us, hit the follow button, 
and uh, take an extra two seconds to scroll down and give us a rating. We really, really would appreciate it. It helps with all those computer algorithms. So go ahead and uh, smash on that follow button to make sure you never miss one of these episodes released every single Wednesday. And stay smart. Thank you for listening to the Firefighter Craftsmanship Podcast, where we give you real tools to train ultimate human performance both on and off the emergency scene. You can find more information on our webpage at firefightercraftsmanship.com, including all the classes that we offer, and there's plenty of free resources and training on the site as well. Reach out to us on social media, including Instagram and Facebook. We'd love to have a conversation and figure out how we can help you achieve your goals. Stay smart. Stay smart.